Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. But today we're going to continue our series on He Is... And I'm going to kind of bounce all around the scripture. A lot of times I'll take a block of scripture and we'll dissect it. Um, but today I'm just going to talk about how he's faithful, how he shows himself faithful in the word. And so you might want to get a piece of paper out and a note and a note, a pen or something, because we're going to we're just going to kind of fall into the word today and let the word encourage us. My hope is to build your faith in God's faithfulness. If I had to put a thesis on this teaching, it would be that be of good faith because God is faithful. Be faithful because God is faithful. He's never forgotten us. What does it even mean to be faithful? We hear these words all the time in, in a world that no one is faithful anymore. I say no one. Most people aren't faithful. Politicians are, make promises they're not faithful to. Pastors make declarations that then themselves are, are not faithful to. They, we see pulpits fall and people behind them fall, and we see marriages falling apart because, apart because they're not being faithful. We see destruction of everything due to lack of faithfulness. And what is faithful? What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be loyal, to be trustworthy, to be steadfast, to be immovable. When I make a declaration that I'm going to be something, I should be loyal to whatever that is. I should be immovable in regards to whatever that is. I should be stable. You should be able to count on me to do what I say I'm going to do, to be who I say I'm going to be, to walk how you tell me, how I tell you I'm going to walk. I have to be faithful to that, even to my own hurt, because it's what it means to be faithful. People don't trust other people because there's been a lack of faith, because faith has been destroyed. But I want to tell you that there's no reason to have a lack of faith in God because he's never been anything but exactly who he is, exactly who he says. He walks according to the word. He does exactly what he says he'll do. He is faithful. Amen? And so I'm going to talk about that today, that he is faithful. And I'm just, like I said, I'm going to do a, as good a job as I can do to just throw Scripture at you. Because... Jim Cubic can say all kinds of stuff. And I can convince a relatively decent crowd to get excited about whatever. I was trained for that at the police academy, man. You get people, you learn how to establish energy in the room and all those things. I don't want to do that to you. I've never intended to do that to you. What I do want you to do is be excited that the fact that the God that tells you he loves you is faithful to love you. The God that has told you that he will be by your side is faithful to be by your side. The guy that has sacrificed his own son, you can have faith in the fact that he sacrificed his own son so that you might be able to live a life of righteousness and ultimately have a hope after this world. This is the God that we serve, a faithful God. He has told us it's true, and it's true. God's scripture declares God's faithfulness. And so I'm going to start with some verses, and if you want to write these down, you can. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, the faithful God, that is the loyal, the trustworthy, the steadfast, the immovable God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Did you hear that? God keeps his covenant with you. 
his loving kindness to the thousandth generation. I am convinced as I've ever been that I'm standing here before you. The reason I, part of the reason I'm not dead before I ever got the chance to pursue my calling is because of the prayers of a faithful grandmother. Because generationally I was covered in prayer. I, I can prove this to you in Scripture that God considers previous generations in safeguarding the next generation. And I can say I proved that to you. It just says it, that he safeguards his loving kindness to the thousandth generation. But in Isaiah chapter 37, let me turn there. And I've, I've told several of you this before, but I think it bears repeating. 37, King Hezekiah is under siege by um, Sennacherib, King Sennacherib. Sennacherib surrounded the city. He says he's going to destroy it. He's going to destroy everybody in it. And King Hezekiah goes before the Lord. And this is what he says. He, he spreads out this petition. This Sennacherib wrote a letter, and it said all of those things. I am going to destroy everything that you have. I'm going to destroy your city, and I'm going to kill you. And he spreads that letter out on the altar of God. And he says, God, what will you do? And in 33... Isaiah 37, verse 33, God says this, Therefore saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, that's Sennacherib, he will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come up before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. I don't care what that letter says. I don't care what your world's telling you. I don't care what your environment, what your circumstances is telling you. Let me tell you what I say, thus says the Lord. Not, not a single arrow is going to be cast into this city. There's going to be no siege of what belongs to you because what belongs to you belongs to me because you're mine. That's what he's telling King Hezekiah. He says, by the way he came, by the same way he will return. The way the enemy comes to you, he will return in the same way. And he will not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city and save it. But he didn't say, he didn't stop there. I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to listen to this. I want you to grab a hold of this. For those of you that have unsaved children, unsaved loved ones, I want you to hold on to this, that God is faithful in his loving kindness to the thousandth generation. He continues by saying, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, for his own sake. You know why he's faithful? Because he's not going to have his name tarnished, but also, and for my servant David's sake he didn't say for your sake king hezekiah for the fact that i love you and you love me he didn't say that he didn't say jim cubic i'm going to save your kids because because you've prayed that i'm going to save your kids because your grandmother prayed that you'd be saved and i held you under the covenant i had her under and i'm going to hold your kids under the covenant that you that i have you under and so on and so forth i have faith that god is going to save my family to the thousand generation because I love the Lord because my grandmother loved the Lord because her mother before her loved the Lord. You can't outrun. My grandmother used to tell me, she'd say, have fun sinning, but I tell you, you'll never outrun my prayers of you. Thank you, Lord, indeed. Because I ran hard and fast at whatever it is I was heading towards. My papa's biggest words of advice to me, as many of you know, is if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly bear. And I grizzly bared my way through a whole lot of stuff I shouldn't have grizzly bared my way through. But he says, for the sake of my servant, David. Then the angel of the Lord went out, a single angel, and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. God destroyed that whole army that came against the city for, this, for his own sake, 
Listen, for God's own glory, he is faithful to you. And because he is faithful and shows his loving kindness to the thousandth generation. Parents, keep praying for your kids. God's faithful. Grandparents, keep praying for your grandkids because God is faithful. God is faithful. He is loyal. He is trustworthy. He is immovable, unshakable, steadfast. He has not forgotten you. Amen. Man, that makes me happy. I can remember, I got my grandmother on my mind today, so if I use a couple illustrations from my childhood, excuse me, and from my adulthood. When I was a young child, my grandmother told me that she believed I was called to ministry. And I outran that. I mean, I, I ran hard, I raged against that. She believed I was going to be a pastor, and I ran again. I, I raged against that. One day, Angela and I asked my grandmother to come to church with us after I'd been saved. And actually, she hadn't attended the church, I don't think, until I went on staff there. And I said, so we're on staff. Would you at least come visit the church where I'm pastoring, which was Cornerstone Church? And this is just how cool God is. She said, I can, but I, you'll have to come get me. I'm not driving that far. You got to know my granny. So we went and got her. Actually, I think Angela went and got her, but whatever. We pull onto the property, and my granny starts crying. Not only did God answer the prayer of my grandmother that I would submit to the calling on my life, but when we pulled onto the property, she started crying because what I didn't know is Cornerstone Church was the property where the Church of God of Prophecy State Office was, where my grandmother, when she was a younger woman, acted as the women's ministry head for the state of Tennessee. Not only did God, was God faithful to what he told my grandmother, he allowed me to serve him on the same property he ser she served him in generations before. That's the God that's faithful. That's, that blows my mind that he's, he's not forgotten me. He's not forgotten you. And his loving kindness is to a thousand generations. What am I trying to do? I told you I'm not trying to do anything tonight except for increase your faith in God's faithfulness. That whole on the same property thing was just God extra, and extra, extra love to me to confirm in me what I kind of knew all along but refused to accept. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Man, I, I need this in my life. I need God's compassion, loving kindness, tenderness, mercy, to be new for me every morning. Because I don't know about you guys, yesterday I messed something up. And I need to know, even though I repented of that before I went to bed or asked God to reveal that to me, I can wake up in the morning knowing that He sees me with loving eyes. That He sees me, and this is probably my imagination, but He sees me as, as a brand new, fresh baby, baby boy. He loves me. Like the first time I, I held my grandson. Every morning, brand new. What am I telling you? God's faithfulness doesn't have an expiration date. As it gets old, he refreshes it, and then 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 he refreshes it. His steadfastness, his trustworthiness, his immovability, he is all of those things all the time, always has been and always will be. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, Faithful is he who calls you.
and he also will bring it to pass, which is his calling of you. He will perfect you entirely, entirely in your body, spirit, soul. He will keep you blameless. 1 Corinthians 1.9 just starts with, He is faithful. Can I say it one more time? He is faithful. God is faithful. He's been faithful. His Bible, His, his Word is, a, is an expression of His faithfulness to us. Man fell into sin and He was faithful to cover him in the skins of an animal that he might be covered in blood that wasn't his own. To show us what he would ultimately do for us in Christ Jesus. Noah, he was faithful to Noah's family because Noah was faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was faithful to them in the fiery furnace because they were faithful. Did you hear that first verse that I said? To the thousandth generation, but don't stop there to those who love Him and keep His commandments. God is faithful as we are faithful. Paul and Silas from prison, as they were faithful, God showed Himself faithful. Be faithful. We have a responsibility to that same level of steadfastness, that same level of immovability. Because why? Because God is faithful. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Jesus was faithful. Book of John tells us that when the time was right, and I, I can't remember the exact address, but he says when the time was right to go to Jerusalem, Jesus set his face as flint towards Jerusalem. You know what that means? That means when the time was right for him, when he knew he had to go to the cross, when he knew he would suffer, when he knew he would betray, be betrayed, when he knew the skin would be torn off of his body, when he knew his hands and feet would be spiked to a cross, when he knew that he'd be cursed and blasphemed and punched and slapped and have his hair pulled out, when he knew those things, his faithfulness caused him to set his face as flint towards Jerusalem anyway, which is to say he was immovable. He set his eyes to the calling that he had, to the purpose of the Father, and he went and did that, knowing as full God that he would suffer the way that he did. He is faithful so that he could show himself faithful to us, so that he could make that promise a reality, that promise in Genesis 3 where, where he first said that the enemy would be destroyed underneath the heel. When he first made that promise, he showed, set his face as flint, that that promise would come to fruition. You know why? Because he's faithful. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I need you guys to understand something tonight. He is faithful. He hasn't forgotten you. I, I get phone calls and text messages all the time. I got one this afternoon. It's just, it's heartbreaking. So-and-so is sick. They don't feel well. There's a, there's a lump or a tumor or a, an issue or there's marriage problems or there's financial problems. Please, in all of that, know one thing. God is faithful. God is faithful. I don't know what I would do if I didn't know God was faithful. That when my life was upside down, when the world was upside down, when everything's happening opposite of the way that I'd planned or hoped or purposed, God's plan and hope and purpose for my life hasn't been thwarted even just a little bit. Amen?
So what is he faithful in? He's faithful in everything. He's faithful to deliver us. Let me read you a text. Psalms 18.2 says this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. That means he's the strength of my salvation and my high tower. I'm going to read that slow because I want you to listen. The Lord is my rock, immovable, unshakable, steadfast, my fortress and my deliverer, the one that holds me, keeps me, and delivers me from the things that would destroy me, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, the one that I know I can hide in, for to abide in him is to find rest. I'm adding words just so you know. I'm trying to elaborate the text. To whom I take refuge, my shield, that is my protection, and the horn of my salvation. He is the strength of my salvation. My salvation comes from Him. I cannot save myself in any way, physically or spiritually. God is my salvation, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Which means He raises me above all things. He is above all things. He transcends and supersedes all the evil plans of the enemy against me. No one can come against me that my God isn't bigger than. Nothing can come against me that God isn't bigger than. God is faithful. He is faithful to deliver us from our trials. Psalms 34, 4 through 7. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fears him and rescues him. Let me tell you, he's faithful to deliver us. And I'm going to talk to you real fast about what he delivers us from. He delivers us from trials and temptations or trials and tribulations, which is external and from temptation, which is internal. Does everybody understand that? Those things that would come against us are trials. Those things that would rise up in us are temptations. And so it says that he delivers us from our trials. This poor man, let me, let me, I love this verse because as most of you know, I'm a this plus this plus this equals this thing. And so here's what it says. It says, this poor man cried out. He had a trial. There was an external pressure. There was something coming against him. What's coming against you? Insert your own thing. This man cried out. Then the Lord heard him. Do you know the Lord still hears you today? Then the Lord saved him out of his trouble. Because God is faithful to those who love him and are obedient to his commandments. And then in saving him, the angel of the Lord didn't just save him and say, all right, good luck, have a good time. It says, then the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So in our reverence of him, he doesn't just, we don't just cry out. He doesn't just come save us. He doesn't just set us aside. But then it says that, when we fear him, when we truly reverence him the way that we should, he encamps around us to ensure we don't end up in that same hot mess again. Because he is our external protection. 185,000 soldiers were killed by one angel. You think Hezekiah was having a trial? You bet. 
But can I tell you, God's bigger than that trial, Hezekiah or yours. It doesn't matter. Just be the man that cries out, trusting in reverence and fear that God's going to answer that prayer. And according to the word, he'll lift you out of it and then encamp angels around you to ensure that you remain safe. And in a world like we live in today, I need that in my life. He is faithful in our trial. He has delivered us completely. David having written this, was a fugitive. He was still dealing with his struggles. He was still in the desert. He was still having his problems. But you know what he declared? He said, when I cry out, God's still going to watch after me, which means the deliverance may not happen in my timing, but I promise you it's going to happen, and he's going to keep you until it does. God's timing is perfect. Maybe God hasn't delivered you from your trial yet because he's still trying to perfect you because according to the word, we are perfected in our trial. In the heat of the fire, the, the junk in us is pulled from us. In the sculpting process, the stuff that doesn't need to be on us is chipped away from us so that we might be perfected in our trial, in the external things that come against us. Man, Pastor Jim, I need this deliverance from this situation right now. That's great, man. I, I'm praying that God release you from that situation, that God help you in that situation. But I'll promise you, He's only going to do it when you're ready to be delivered from that situation. When you've learned whatever it is you need to learn in that situation, He'll deliver you from it so that in delivering you from it and in your perfection, you don't take credit for it, and He receives the glory for it. All right. Amen? Because it's our, it's our habit is to raise ourselves up, right? I get delivered from a trial too soon or I, I find a way out according to my own plans. And I'm all, look what I did. And a year later, I'm as messed up as I was a year ago or maybe even more messed up because I didn't trust God's timing because I thought it was me, not God because I gave myself credit when I should have gave God credit. Trust the timing. Trust the faithfulness of God. That's literally what it is to have faith. To trust that what you can't see is real. That His protection over you is real. That His faithfulness over you is real. But He doesn't just deliver us from our trials. He delivers us from our temptation. Remember I told you, trials are external. I take a thousand external trials over a single temptation. It says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. You know what we do as Christians? We take, the, we take our pen and we... We cut this verse in half because it makes us feel better. This is what you hear people quote. No, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Well, God's not going to let me be tempted above what I'm able. That's only half the verse, bro. It's only half the verse. The other half says this, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you can endure it. He will provide the way of escape, not make you take the way of escape. If you're still in your mess, if you're still in your temptation, it's probably because you ignored the way of escape that you were given. But we want to tell ourselves, oh, I'm, I'm good. God's not going to tempt me above what I can allow. 
Why would you think God would tempt you anyway? God may allow the temptation of you, but God hasn't tempted you. But has given us a way of escape. I love that he says, but such is common to man. This should bring us comfort. You know why? Because there's no super temptation. Did you hear that? There's temptation which is common unto man. You don't know what I'm going through. I know that it's common to man. I know that whatever it is you're being tempted by is common to man. You ain't the first one to be tempted how you're being tempted. And thousands and thousands and thousands of other people, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of other people in the world in world history have been tempted the same way you're tempted. But you know what? They took the, they took the way out. They understood that God was providing them a way out, and they took it. They weren't destroyed by it because they thought, oh, you don't understand what I'm going through. What they did understand is that God provided a way out, and there's no super temptation that God can't overcome if you'll just do what he tells you to do. That's a word for somebody. That's a word for me. There is no temptation but that which is common to man. You're not the first one to deal with your problem. Which is why our testimonies are so important. You know, sometimes my way out is knowing that you found a way out. That's good right there. <laughs> Maybe if we stood up and said, look, man, I know what you're dealing with. Let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you who I was. But God showed up. Now I am this. Maybe that's just enough courage to say, you know what? With God... All things are possible. If God is for me, who can be against me? But he delivers us from our temptation. But it's our responsibility to endure that temptation and take the way out to overcome that temptation. And that is through prayer. You know, it's hard to pray and sin at the same time. Probably impossible. I dare you be tempted by something. Stop. Focus on Jesus and pray and still be tempted by that thing while you're praying. You can't. Prayer, focus on Jesus, and he will deliver the strength. How do you overcome temptation? Prayer, while focusing on, temp while focusing on Jesus, knowing that he will deliver that way of escape. Which means you may have to be in prayer for a long time, all day or day. But you know what's going to happen? I'm dealing with whatever temptation this is. And so I, I realize it. You guys ever get tempted by something, whether it be money or whatever, and you're all, man, if I just had this, I could do this, and I could do this. And 30 minutes down the road, you realize I've been, I've been desiring this thing, been rolling this temptation over my head for 30 minutes. Stop, pray, focus on Jesus. Expect him to deliver you. And then when you get that happen again stop pray focus on jesus expect him to deliver you and again and again and you might have to do that legitimately 30 40 times a day i don't know depends on how big your temptation is but you know what's going to happen i promise it's going to happen some point in the future you're going to go from 40 times a day to 10 times a day and then you're going to go from 10 times a day to five times a day and then from five times a day to two times a day and then six months from now you're going to go Dude, that's not even a temptation for me anymore. 
I haven't thought about that in months. And you'll be delivered because God offered you an avenue of escape. That's how a faithful God works. That's how a faithful God works in our prayer life. He gives us prayer as an avenue of escape. He gives us the testimony of others as an avenue of escape. He gives us fellowship as an avenue of escape. He gives us His Word as an avenue of escape. He has gifted us, equipped us to ensure that we have that avenue of escape when that internal pressure gets too big for us. Because we don't have the ability to do anything in of ourselves, but that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And He's faithful enough to give us the Spirit so that we might overcome our trials externally and our temptations internally. And I praise God for that. Because I've got enough of both. But praise God, God's bigger. And He's more faithful. He's steadfast. He's immovable. And if He tells me He'll do it, He'll do it. I told you guys this text yesterday that He's faith, or last Sunday, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of a man that, should he, that he should repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? He's faithful to his word. He's faithful in our times of trouble, trial, and temptation. He's faithful to his word. If there's a promise in here that's applicable to you, you can grab a hold of it. You can... You can Literally rest your whole being on the promises of God, assuring that they are yes. Because God is not a man that he's going to lie to you. Did you know that? Promises of God are yes. And for that we can say amen. That's what the text says. People say, promises of God are yes and amen. Except they're not. The promises of God are yes. Period. And because they're yes... Because he's true to his promise, faithful to his promise, we can state amen. We can say, let it be done. It is done according to the word of God. That's what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says. For many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Semicolon. You know what semicolon means? That means there should be a period there, but there's an additional thought, so they put a semicolon there. So you can put a period right there. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. We misread the word. We read it too fast. We allow someone else to tell us what it says. His promises are yes. And we say, Amen. Why? So that God may be glorified. Do you know God's glorified when you say Amen to one of His promises? Because it shows that you trust Him enough to actually come through with His promises. What, if, what kind of promise you need to grab a hold of? I've written a bunch of them down here. I'm not going to read them all. You tired of fighting battles? Exodus 14, 14 says the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Trust the Lord to fight for you. Perhaps if we stopped fighting our own fights, kept our mouth shut, trusted God, and just abided in the love that Jesus Christ has for us, we wouldn't fight all the fights we fight. We wouldn't walk in the tension that we walk in. We wouldn't walk in the disunity we walk in. We wouldn't walk in the hate and malcontent that we walk in. If we just trusted that God's big enough to fight our fight for us, we wouldn't have to. And according to the Word of God, that's exactly what He does. He fights for us. Are you weary? Anybody in here just tired? You're just tired of being tired. 
Isaiah 40, 20 says he gives strength. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Don't walk in your own strength. Walk in his. That's Jim, that's easy for you to say you're a pastor. Ain't nothing easier for me to say because I'm a pastor. Are you fearful? Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. God's bigger than your problem. Do you feel like the enemy of your soul keeps knocking you down? You guys ever feel like that? That the enemy's just coming against me? They're coming against me? They're coming against me? They're coming against me? He's coming against me? He's coming against me? James has something to say about that. He says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. Stop trying to fight your own fight. It ain't your fight. People are all, man, you know, God, the enemy's coming against my, my finances. But first off, let me tell you, you need to figure out what the enemy's coming against and what you're coming against. Because if you make bad financial decisions, if you decided to go out and get drunk last night, chase women around a bar all night, the enemy hadn't come against your finances, you did. But when the enemy's coming against you, the Bible says if you'll just rest in God, resist the enemy, because of the faith you have in God's faithfulness, the enemy will flee from you. Do you lack provision? You feel like, man, my money just ain't right. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this. It's the only place you're going to find in Scripture where God says, test me in this. And people say, well, that's Old Testament. That don't count. Let's just throw the whole Old Testament away. Maybe we won't even know what Jesus looks like when he gets here if we do that. He was like, we don't need to listen to the Old Testament. We're under the New Covenant. How do you have faith to know that Jesus is who he says he is if you threw the whole Old Testament away? The only thing that Jesus did was fulfill the law. He didn't abolish it. You're all, well, it's Old Testament, though. It's the New Testament. So now you can murder somebody, I guess, because the, the Ten Commandments are in the, in the Old Testament. Maybe commit just a little adultery. Right? I'm not being, I am being silly, but I'm, I'm, not tr I'm trying to prove a point. You've got problems with your finances. Maybe if you trust the Word of God, test Him in your finances by giving back that which belongs to Him in the first place. He'll increase your finances. That's how it worked for Angela and me. We didn't have two nickels to rub together until we did. And we didn't until we started tithing. Don't ask me how it worked. We didn't get raises. We still had the same bills. But we, our car wasn't falling apart. This story, I, I know I'm running out of time, but this story cracks me up. I look out my office window one day. We've been tithing about two months, maybe, a month. And my wife, in her Pentecostalism out there, got her hands laid on her car. She's praying over her car because her car wasn't acting right. And, and she... And I love that faith now, but this seemed weird to me then. And I'm looking out the window, and she's praying over her car because it, was, it wasn't acting right. Somebody told us it was 1200 bucks to fix, and all we had was $200. And she, she was all out there. This is her prayer. God, we've been tithing. We've been doing what you said we're supposed to do. All I have is 200 bucks, And whatever I, what, I need this car to be fixed in less than 200 bucks. Whatever I have left over, the 200 bucks I have, I'll give to you. So she's bargaining with God, which is something else. But it was that kind of faith. 
we had started tithing. God said he would watch over our finances, and we expected him to. I think it was, was it, it was Miss Sylvia knew somebody that was here in town. So she limped her car over there. And how much was it? It was 182 bucks to fix. And she wrote that $18 check fast. Just trust God's faithfulness. It's the whole reason I tell that story. It seems silly, right? Until it's not silly until you only have $200 and you need God to show up. And he does. Struggle with sickness, James 5, 14 and 15 says, Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him. Elders of the church exist to pray over you. To anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will restore those, the one who is sick. Why do I tell you all these verses? To give you faith in God's faithfulness. You know what he's most faithful in? Forgiving us. He's faithful to forgive us. Because I'll be honest with you, I've lacked in all these things I've told you. I'm not perfect. I told you there's no easy way for pastors. But this is what the Word says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this verse. I am in love with this verse. Because there's two pieces. He says, not only will, is he faithful to forgive you of your sin, because he could forgive you of your sin and never, never want anything else to do with you. We, we know people like this. They've offended us. We've forgiven them. We've legitimately forgiven them. But if we never talk again, we're perfectly okay. God has every right to do that too. But he didn't. He said he's faithful and righteous to forgive us and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is to restore us back to relationship with him. Man, I'm grateful that God loves us and proves his love for us and his faithfulness.